0: We do welcome you to this week's podcast. It's episode number 230 of Live Transformed.
1: And we are talking about being super normal,
2: <laughs> which, which <laughs> none of us are qualified to really discuss. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> what <laughs> what I just, a
0: profound introduction, Yeah, Dan, I love. Thank yeah. you.
1: Well, we, we decided that we want to overcome average, and we want well, here, to. All... Well, here's what
2: we're really saying we're okay. saying none of us are qualified to do what we're doing. Right. And really. Nothing we say is actually going to help you. You've got to go get with Jesus and put it in practice. And, and, and really, then you realize, I didn't really need them.
1: Yeah, but, 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 let's all be friends. Let's That's all right. be friends. Let's, let's all, let's all take be friends the and do this journey.
2: Kumbaya.
1: No, no, not kumbaya. Why can't we be friends? Oh, okay. Why can't we be We're friends? We're going to be cool
2: friends. We're not going to be religious We're not going to be
1: kumbaya. We're going to be like okay. full on 70s.
0: I liked the 70s.
1: <laughs> the music? Yeah. No,
0: just I liked in church in the 70s. It was a lot of fun. I church
1: in the 70s.
0: Oh, the 70s. oh yeah. you know,
2: in the 70s, <laughs> it worship, was so fun. worship was still very genuine. Uh-huh. Scriptural. but, but it was Very scriptural. But uh-huh. music had just started kind of expanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was
1: pretty basic.
2: And so so you kind of had the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. You had very innovative music, mm-hmm. you know, for the times. But you had very genuine worship. Man, oh, I'm but, you. And so simply much.
0: because you were allowed to participate. Yeah. yeah.
1: We, you could hear everyone around you singing. Everyone it? Could and we were sing. all singing together. And
0: you could bring a tambourine to church oh, if you wanted. Oh, yeah.
2: You know what? I? I, I, I and I try to, emph- you know, I will emphasize this. I, uh-huh. When I used to go out and teach and worship, me and Jimmy both do, because we used to do a lot of teaching about worship. But it's like, you know, you cannot engage your heart if a song has too difficult of a melody, mm-hmm. and if it has too many words, and if it is not musically and emotionally harmonious with where and how the Holy Spirit's leading in that
1: moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's and a there's, lot of factors. We would, we
2: would go in and teach that, and then the worship leader would get up and lead in a song that had... 14 verses, you know, <laughs> uh, you nobody could follow the melody. So, so it really meant you could never shut your eyes and just lose yourself yeah. in this word and make it to God. And back yeah. in the 70s, you know, a long worship song had four verses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all the words were scriptural. The melody lines were pretty simple. So, you know, you, you, you could learn that. If you'd never heard it before, you could learn Correct. it in, in about two minutes. And since we sang most of those songs for about 12 minutes, that, <laughs> meant, that meant you could just shut your <laughs> eyes after the first two minutes yeah. and you could start engaging your heart. And it's like, God, this is this is me and you. I'm singing this to you. And, you know, you could get these pictures of God on his throne, receiving your worship, all, all those kinds of things that facilitate it, engaging your heart. I'm telling you, 90% of what I hear when i go visit a church it's like if your heart can engage with that you smoke crack before you got here right. <laughs> you're, you're you're
1: on expert level worship if you can oh, you can still be into jesus here absolutely um but i'm also amazed and grateful for how much literal word for scripture i know because of being a oh, yeah. little girl in the 70s singing Like, for instance, the song just came to me, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness. Like, I mean, this was a song. I mean, and I sang it, as I said, for 15 minutes. I'm sure it wasn't even 12 minutes. We sang the same song over and over again. I know this might drive people nuts sometimes, and I know it's not the popular, culturally relevant way, but I'm just saying I we loved it. We're just saying we love it, and we have great memories of it. When people
2: complain about a song going too long, what... They are really revealing to you is they are not engaging their heart, and they're not experiencing anything. You know, when, interesting thing. One of the most interesting things about the heart, I think, this is so cool. When you in when you enter through the realm of your heart, you immediately lose all sense of time and space. Mm. And you, you know, and, and when when you are in your what I call the heart zone. And you're connecting with god you can be there for a half hour
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you only think you know that a couple of minutes have gone by mm-hmm. but when you do something when you're imitating that and you're doing it externally but you don't enter through the door of your heart engage god in your heart then uh
1: you're a hyper aware of, min- of time. Then a
2: couple of minutes feels yeah. like You're hyper hours.
1: aware of t- time, measurement, yeah. all the earthly
2: yeah.
1: mechanisms that we have in place that we're limited yeah. to. Yeah, it's so true. And that true. was one
2: of the great things about worship in the seventh. Man, i tell you, we, you know, here, you know, when we started our ch- local church here in Huntsville, listen, sometimes worship would last an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have anybody to leave. I mean, people were, You know, you, you know, now you go to church and people don't even get there until... The end of the worship service because they don't they don't participate in it, it doesn't mean anything to it so you know you, you, many of the churches you go to you know they start their worship service with about a, maybe a third of their congregation there yeah and they're struggling to keep up because it's so mm-hmm. hard to find, but they want they're hungry for God mm-hmm. they're hungry for worship yeah and then when the worship service is all over you open your eyes and look at it. oh so wait a minute this place is full now what happened
1: hmm and I just I'm so grateful for you know, all worship and I don't, I want to make it about how much I love the 70s because I know that we are in a different era and I get that. But I feel like if we could be expert level and get into any situation and actually engage our heart, that's what I'm going to do because otherwise yeah. I get distracted. I, I I really do, and and uh, it's like. But the thing that it would distract me in the '70s was not how how complicated the music was or the words. It was that there was some bad musicianship and a lot of out of tune oh, stuff man, going on. That. Like sometimes there would be someone up there with the mic that you're like, "Wow, do you know what I'm saying?" Those kind of things don't happen as much anymore. But back in the '70s, you would have a gong show half the time of what was well, going
2: on up there. It's gone so f- in the '70s it was more whosoever will
1: yeah exactly
2: you know? <laughs> and, and so you're right you know a lot of times you'd have people who couldn't play with a band and, bang, I couldn't, couldn't, and mm-hmm. i'm telling
1: you jim i couldn't concentrate on jesus no, because no. it was so off that i was like no. i can't i can't but
2: now it's gone way professional the, swung the yeah. other way yeah. now you almost have to be you perhaps have to be a professional musician and a right. professional singer yes yes uh,
1: that pendulum has swung way far the other yeah. way
2: so, but now keep in mind, based on what we talked about last week, you know when we are talking about ceremony, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. ceremony. See, all of those things, ritualism,
1: yes, we this is ceremony, a, mm-hmm, tradition,
2: intellectualism, culture. All of those things can be good, yes. When and see, it says this in the book of Colossians. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, no, it says it in the book of Hebrews about the children of Israel. It says there's one reason they couldn't enter the promised land. So that's why I tell people, like, you know what? There is only one reason you are not really living the abundant life is because if you're here, well, actually there's two reasons or there's a step to the real reason, but first of all, you got to hear the word. You got to read the promises. Mm-hmm. You got to believe them. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but all that comes down to, you know, the writer of Hebrews says there's, there's really just one reason they couldn't enter into heaven on earth because they did not mix faith with the word that they heard.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: There's not, there, there's not another reason. Yeah. And so, you know, we do the same thing in a worship service. We have a yep. ceremony. We do all the right things externally, yep. mm-hmm. but we never mix faith with, it. not faith of trying to get mm-hmm. God to come there, but faith that believes God's already and, there.
1: And when we mix faith with it, it doesn't matter if you're in the seventies or 2021, yeah. it doesn't matter because if you're going to walk into church and be ready yeah. and full of faith, mm-hmm. you are going to receive an amazing worship oh, yeah. service. It doesn't matter what's going on. Good music, bad music. Performance, if, if your heart is in a good oh. place, because in, all, in some ways I'm saying um, my normal is more worship should be like this. And well, for yep. people that are a lot younger than me, that's not their normal. They would go into a 70s no. ch- church service and be insanely distracted yep. by what was going on because mm-hmm. <laughs> their yep. normal is different.
2: When I was still traveling, I would, if I went, most of the churches I went into, I'm telling you, I just had to grit my teeth and try to bear the music. But every mm-hmm. now and then I go some places that had at least a few great songs, or sometimes they'll have a great worship service. But you know, I always just made up my mind, I'm going to go in here, I'm going to, t- if if this is a a worship service that doesn't flow with the Holy Spirit, if it's a worship service that, that is distracting and difficult, I am going to shut my eyes, I'm mm-hmm. going to tune all that that's out. That's
1: right, that's and right. And I'm going
2: to connect with God. That's, that's no right. Ma- no matter what's going on No
1: matter me. what. Yep. And I, and I have changed the words to. to oh, absolutely. You where, usually have to. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you go, you go to. And so you go to hell
2: if you sing some of that stuff.
1: <laughs> so, what I'll do is, if it's not agreeing with my heart and my spirit, the words, I just, just change them up a little bit and make them what they, that works for me. I don't get mad about it. I'll just say, oh, well, this is how I'm going to sing this particular song. Well, I, I
2: try to look. If the worship leader looked at me, I'll try to look real mean at him just for a second <laughs> before before I actually get mad. I, I want him to know I, I hate this. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm kidding. All of you people you are, are going, oh,
0: my God, I just read He's, He's so, rude.
2: so rude. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't cross my mind, but, but I, did, I did not feed you the did. You did not succumb area. to
1: temptation on that one.
2: <laughs> oh, oh, you
1: guys. Identity leading to authority. You know, we started talking about this last week, and it was a good session, you know, talking yeah. about... What is your normal? And if it's, and what I, another thing I heard last week that was good to hear again, sometimes those confirmed thoughts was that anything that's reoccurring on a regular basis in my life, it, it, it's, it would be a wise thing to take a look at that. If if in a negative way, something is reoccurring, it'd be good to go to the Holy Spirit and say, let's go. Where's Mm -hmm. the belief behind that, that I get to go to my heart place, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. You know what? As a, you know, I pastored for, I don't know, I, I don't really know how many years I pastored. I pastored for over 30 years. Of course, you know, this year I've been in the ministry 49 years and I have spoken to leaders all over the world. I've met, you know, I, I have spoken to millions of people. And one of the things I always did when I traveled, well, I loved when I traveled in other countries, one of the things I would always do is I would always have question and answer because. My position is always, you know unless God is speaking to me, but particularly with leaders, because leaders are coming there with specific questions. And so you know I would always say, look, I, I, I don't know I don't know what your questions are. I don't know what you're struggling with, and I'm not going to presume to. So I would almost never, and when I was in some other country doing a leadership conference, I would very, very rarely ever start out teaching and preaching. I've started by asking questions. And I'll tell you, it is an eye-opener when you go all over the world and you and you communicate, you know, with thousands of leaders and, and, and ultimately maybe millions of believers over a course of time, if you can make them feel safe enough to ask the questions that really burden their heart. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> what I have seen is you know, there is mass impotence, spiritual impotence, in modern-day Christianity. Uh, people, many people are so serious about God. They're so serious about serving God. They really love God. But but really, they very, the pieces very rarely ever come together. Now, you know, so we just read a scripture that said, God, there's a way everything can work out to your good. Mm-hmm. And you know most people just twist that around and say, oh, well see since 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 my baby died, God must have killed my baby for some good reason he needed another angel in his choir in heaven you know you know no, i mean really nonsensical things and so what I find is people they because they don't read the Bible enough, they're not devoted to that they really don't even see they really don't even see. God is being relevant. Religion mm. has so watered down Christianity and what it's about. So true. Church is not. That's reason, the that's reason so many people quit going to church. It's just not relevant. I am not going to take a, a day a week and, and, and take money out of my pocket. And I'm, I'm not going to abandon my family. I'm not going to go over there and do all this. When in fact, it contributes nothing to to the quality of my life, to, you know, to the quality of my family relations. And I'm not saying that's all the church's fault or all the preacher's fault. Sometimes that's because the person actually doesn't try to put any of this stuff into practice. But anyhow, but so, you you know, you've got to ask yourself, how can the entire church around the entire world be so dysfunctional, so... Spiritually impotent, but here is what I have found: I have found that there's some leaven that crept into religion really within months of Jesus' resurrection. Hmm. And uh, you know, the leaven of the uh, of the Jews is ritualism uh, and and ceremony.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
2: so the Jews, they, man, they were so habituated to, and addicted to, the ceremonies and the ritual, which the whole thing that caused the Jews to never understand God, was because they, twist. They actually fell in love with the ceremonies mm. and, and, and put their faith in the ceremonies and tried mm. to come up with these goofy explanations of what the ceremonies did and just totally abandoned what God said the ceremonies were about. So they never worked faith in their heart when they were, you know, you know like when they ate the Passover lamb, what you were, you were supposed to eat the Passover lamb um, with, you know, with the knowledge of the lamb's blood protecting mm-hmm. you from the wrath of God. And you were supposed to eat that lamb with unleavened bread, which and, and eating that lamb represented meditation. So you know, so to this day, if a person wants to go back and participate in those ceremonies, I don't have a problem with it as no. long as you actually mix faith with it, which because there's, happens.
1: Because there's value in, in, yeah. in ritualism and ceremony. There is so much yeah. great value in traditions and all those things. But you said a key word, Jim. You said when you fall in love with... Yeah. You know, the ceremony, the ritual, yeah. the tradition. When you put your trust in the rituals, the ceremonies. You know, in you're-
2: the South, we have a unique problem down here in church. I, I don't know if it's this way anywhere else. But in the South, the uh, Christianity in black circles has a very different set of factors, or you know, rituals and ceremonies and this sort of stuff. And so... You know, first of all, in the South, if you are a if you are a black pastor, then then your community has this sense that that black pastor has authority over you, and you have no right to go to any church other than a black church in your community. And I'm not saying that's not racism. That's what they tell me. That's what the, the black pastors tell me that the black parishioners tell me that. Mm-hmm. And so, but among the Gentiles, which would be what we, we face more in the Western world, intellectualism mm. is the great weakness of the flesh, if mm. you will. And so, Gnosticism came in into Christianity very, very early, and it was all based on uh, knowledge, and nothing about Gnosticism ever was rooted and faith in your heart. Wow. And in, in the um, Hebrew world, nothing about their ceremonies were ever rooted in faith and their heart. So then then the Catholic Church comes along with, let me say this, I know many wonderful Catholic believers. Uh, talking about the Catholic Church has nothing to do with the individual believers, just like, you know, but, but we have to realize institutions create Ideas, beliefs, rules, but they create ceremony and rituals because to some degree, every institution that a person joins, to some degree, that institution is replacing something that they're supposed to be getting through Jesus. You know, people don't realize that the early Catholic Church technically was not even Christian. Because what did they do? Well, they found ways to kind of of corrupt the idea that Jesus really was the sun god. And that Mary really was the mother of the universe. And then they took all the pagan gods and they... They called them saints. So really, they didn't move the sun god. They didn't remove the worship of the sun god. They didn't move the worship of the mother of heaven. They didn't remove the the worship of, of all the local gods. They just called them something different. And so, you know, so the Catholic Church started this process of totally ignoring the idea of making disciples. And instead, they went forth to make converts. And so, they were a they were a geopolitical force, you know. They had their own army, their own standing army was was so threatening that you know the kings of France and England, and Italy, all the all these different nations, they really would not go up against the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church could start a war with any of them and win. And so, let's say let's say. France and usually, if, if any of these countries went to war, they took a priest with them, and, and usually, po- possibly, took some delegates, some military people from you know from the Catholic Church, and so they go out, and so they, let's say that they win. Let's say France is going out; they're in a war with some country that they would consider pagan, and they would say, okay, at the end of it, you know, after they've won, then they gather all the, everybody together and say, okay, here's the deal, and they would surround them, you know, with men with weapons, and say, okay, here's the deal. You can convert. Now, they didn't say, we're going to give you the gospel, we're going to tell you about Jesus, and you can decide if you believe this or not. That that wasn't what they said. They said, you can convert to Catholicism, not to Christianity, not to anything about coming to know God in your heart. It was converting to a system. Mm -hmm. And that system always to many of the people who are making their living Driving this system and getting their ego fed by being leadership in this. the mm-hmm. the system always to some degree intentionally or unintentionally uh, replaces aspects of what are only supposed to happen between us and God through Jesus as the mediator, and they're supposed to happen in our heart so that the, so that they affect our trust for God so that they. <laughs> They have an influence on our identity and all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, it really wasn't very long, to, you know, when, he, when, when uh, uh, the Reformation took place and then the A- evangelical church started coming forth, even the evangelical church never said, well, let's go make disciples and see if they become converts. They went and said, we're going to go make converts whether they ever become Disciples, right? this is you know this is one of the reasons the whole why I hate the term Christian. I'm Christian. Well, what, what does that mean? Because it does, mm-hmm. there's no place in the Bible that tells you what that means, other than the fact that it was a criticism from the people in Antioch of the people who were following Jesus. It was kind mm-hmm. of a mockery type of criticism. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, uh, so, so we're going to make we're, what we're going to do is we're going to make converts. And, you know, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what group it is and how good they are and how many wonderful things they do on some level, whether it is done intentionally or ignorantly by the leadership of of the institution or whether it is done by what's going on in the life of the person, we always end up to some degree converting to an institution. You know, hmm. you join a Baptist church. What do they do? Yeah, they take you through. A, they take you through a course on what Baptists believe. You know, I remember when I when I joined a charismatic church. You know, they had like a about an eight week course on on what they believe. You know, and every group I ever saw, you, you got to go through something because you have to believe like we did. It wasn't like this is what the Bible teaches, and we're going to take you on this journey. So, all of that to say. Almost every believer I have talked to, when they came to Jesus, they didn't come to Jesus as a disciple. They came to Jesus as a convert, which mean, a con, m- means I have no sense of applying this to my life. I have no sense of this is, you know, of, of, of this is where I surrender everything I believe about anything and find out if it aligns with Jesus' interpretation of the Word of God. There's none of that. It's like, okay, I get my ticket punch for heaven, Mm -hmm. and I got my ticket punch for heaven. I don't have no clue what I'm supposed to do next. And there's usually, even what most churches call discipleship does not build the biblical and doctrinal foundation that the Bible tells us to build, that God did with the Israelites. He did it. Uh, he did it with the early church, you know, he provided the basis for all this. So people come into this as a Christian, which is a word that means nothing when it Mm -hmm. comes to practical, when it comes Mm -hmm. to practical application, what does that mean? You know, if you say, okay, if you want to follow Jesus, then I'm going to invite you to be a disciple. A disciple? What's that? Well, a disciple is somebody who is, who is going to. Surrender to Jesus as Lord. They're going to recognize that He is the only one that's ever seen God. He is the only one that can explain God. He is the only one that can make the Bible make sense. He is the only one. He is the only one that I can use to qualify everything I believe about everything. And so that means I'm coming into something. I'm, I'm not just saying, "Hey, you know, I'm holding my hand up because I want to go to heaven." I'm coming in saying, "I want a whole new way of life." That doesn't happen. So people come in and, golly, I, you know, sometimes I hear altar calls and I'm like, man, I'm glad they're giving an altar call, but boy, it would be great if people understood what kind of decision that they were making. Mm-hmm. Now, when we come in, the closest thing to a discipleship program I might go through is Learning how to serve at church. Well, I'm for that. I think we should serve at church. I think, I think churches where a body of people come together. We serve one another. Mm-hmm. We help, mm-hmm. you know. We, we help raise each other's kids. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're help there. the community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all all those things. I'm for it. I'm not. I am not an anti-church g- guy at all. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter how much of that. So so then, Christianity becomes a conversion, mm-hmm. and in this conversion. We convert to a whole new social group. And so really church just replaces the old social group that we were connected. So so we've got all of these things where we're using the right words, we're saying the right terms. It almost looks real. It does look real to most people, but the real truth is none of it has any basis in what is supposed to be happening in the life of a new convert.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Now, by the, by the way, man, one of the one of the messages that I've got ready that will, I, it, like I say, it may come out this week, I'm not or last week or next week, whatever it comes. Anyhow, it's the message called uh, um, "Critical Factors of Faith."
1: Right, right.
2: Man, I love teaching that message. I've taught that in years gone by, and this is just you know, recent. I just wanted to put this in this series. But uh, you know, one of the things you you learn about business is that to succeed at a business, and we talked about this last week, there are critical factors. And you really, like I said last week, you don't, this is the same in your marriage. This is, this is there are critical factors in everything that you do. And so m- many people are good at everything except the important things because the critical factors are the important things.
1: Right, right.
2: And, and so Believers are not in or introduced to the critical factors of this is what walking with God looks like, this is what it's based on. And if you don't get these parts where they're real in your life, then, then nothing will ever, ever, ever work exactly like it's supposed to. Now, you've heard me say this, I've said this for I don't even know how many years, but you know, the first two pillars of faith are creation. Mm -hmm. and creation of man, creation of heaven and earth, then creation of man. Now, I can't even remember. It's something like over 60% of seminaries do not believe that the biblical account of creation is true. Hmm. So suddenly, the one place where we can understand what faith looks like in practice is turned into a myth has no relevance in daily life. And really, then we turn to science to give us answers, which starts us on a downhill run. So so, so once once creation becomes a myth, a Bible story, then what do you do with everything else? Because the same science that says, no, it, Earth wasn't created in six days, those are the same scientists that say it's impossible that Jesus could have been born of a virgin.
0: Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. The, you know I
2: mean, you can just go down the list that of those things, People say that once we buy into this key thing, then everything they say against the Bible, against the Word of God, which is never actually factual. You know, there, there is more scientific proof. There is more geographical proof. There, there is more proof on every level. And the more we understand quantum physics, it comes down to everything about the universe supports the biblical presentation of creation
1: yes, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. so then you move to the creation of man well when you come to the creation of man then, then you have okay created the likeness in the image of god so we had an identity god is our father we have a mm-hmm. sense of who we are just you know he's our daddy you, you know you know how it is you know yeah. my daddy what my daddy was a bootler and a drunk you know so yeah. when i was a kid that was my sense of identity and you know i would go to Play with some kid, and there was, a, and I could hear the parents in the other room saying, that's Curly Richards' boy. Don't bring him over here again. Hmm. And so I had a sense of identity based on who my father was and what his character was and all, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, identity, likeness, and image are not really good translations of the Hebrew word because they don't really lead us to a sense of identity. But since we are created to be exactly like God, then this means everything... We should have learned about creation would have told us how we function in planet Earth. But th- there's a key factor in being like God. If I'm like God, number one, I am sovereign. Now, that God is, sovereignty does not mean in control. It doesn't mean you can do anything you want to. Sovereignty means no outside force can act upon you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God has never been acted upon by an outside force. He never... Every time he takes action, he takes action because he at the core is love and everything that he does is about love. It's never about reaction. Yes, yes,
0: yes.
2: Then the next thing is, okay, so then we are given authority over planet Earth. And I've heard all kinds of ways to explain that away. And, man, this is represented in parables of the kingdom that Jesus taught. This is represented in the Psalms and several places in the Psalms. This is represented all through the Bible. So now if I have authority over everything that's over planet earth yeah the human race has authority then of course that means neither the devil nor god can act in planet earth apart from working through someone that uses their authority now when jesus came and and, you know people will take you know matthew 28 after they after they mess up the whole discipleship thing then, then, then they, they take the part where Jesus said, all authority is given me in heaven and earth. And they say, see, he got all authority. So that means that really we don't really have any authority. So what we got to do is we got to beg him to do stuff for us because he has authority. No. What Jesus was, you know, Jesus was fulfilling the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mm-hmm. First letter of the Hebrew alphabet is yud on top, kind of a slanted vav in the middle and a yud on bottom. Well, the yud always represents kind of a message from God, you know, it, 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 and, and so there's a message that God has created in heaven based on the resurrection of Jesus, and what God wants is for that message to be enacted in planet earth, but the vav is the letter that represents man. So so the Bible shows what Jesus said at creation, just in that, in that one letter, is that Heaven and earth are unified only when man unifies it. When man right. takes, man
1: is that go-between. Yeah. Man is that one that has authority to both and access to both.
2: Yeah. So Jesus, you know, as, as you know, and I've heard preachers say, even the demons recognized Jesus and worshipped him because they were saying, "Why are you tormenting me, Jesus?" No, 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 no. They weren't worshiping him. They were challenging him. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. They were saying. Why are you doing this? You don't have the right to do this. But see, Jesus, since he became a man, and he even said this out of his own mouth, that he has authority because he's the son of man. Yes. So Jesus is saying now, heaven and earth can finally be united because I have authority in both realms. And I have taught you how, even though we totally ignore what he talked about, I've taught you how to exercise authority on planet Earth. Now, <clears throat> one of the common corruptions, and remember, if these are the first two and the most important pillars of faith, now if we get these wrong, our faith is never right. It never just is exactly right. It might be close. We might have you know little spurts of things working. But so we realize now that one of the earliest corruptions that came into Christianity as well as in Judaism mm-hmm. was that when man sinned, he lost authority. Right. Now we talked about this last week. Yeah,
1: that's what we opened. That's what we started to introduce last week, and yeah. we were at the end of the podcast. Yeah.
2: And but but remember, authority is not power. Authority is the right to do something, the legal right. Right. So right. we have authority. God provides the power by the Holy Spirit working through us, Mm. and so you you know that that doesn't mean I can wield power the way I want to, but I can wield authority the way I want.
1: Yes. So, how do we use our authority to affect our identity?
2: Well, we don't. Interesting. (laughs) It's just the opposite.
1: See, that's the question. Is
2: we have to establish our identity
1: because ah, it, okay
2: in order takes out authority. so let's say that you are born into a royal family mm-hmm. and uh you know I saw I watched uh, I, I could be remembering the wrong movie but I, I watched a series I think it was on Marco Polo and, and Netflix I loved that whole series it was incredible really but uh what what do you'll see when you watch these document- documentaries are some movies that are based on fact. Is you see that, you know, from, from birth, a child who is born to reign, which means reigning doesn't just mean controlling and dominating, it means exercising authority that makes a difference in people's mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. They start learning at a very, very early age. I mean, you know, at five years old, they are expected to begin acting like royalty. They, you mm-hmm. know, they, 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 they have, and they start using authority and they stop, you know, they stop, they give up any sense of being controlled because they're sovereign. They're giving up any sense of, mm-hmm. uh, of having to satisfy any outside source. They just, they get to choose who they'll listen to, who they won't listen to, what they do, what they won't do. So in, in, in royal families, you start being trained to be a king or a queen at an age so early you can't even remember. So by the time you step on the throne, there, you, you really are not squeamish at all about no. using authority. No. Now, the problem is <clears throat> we have been taught this religious junk about humility and all this kind of stuff and you know, we're, we're taught if we have any confidence that that's ego and it's, right. you know, it's destructive. Right. You know, all this religious junk. But, but the reality of it is, it, if you know your identity, see, if you're born into a royal family, all you're hearing is you are royalty. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what this person thinks about you. If you don't like what that person says to you, mm-hmm. have him killed. You know, doesn't matter. You are royalty. So the authority... Only naturally happens out of identity. So if I am creating the lightness image of God, then I, you know, I should, everything about my identity as a new believer should be moving me to that place to where it is not uncomfortable. I don't feel unusual. I don't feel egotistical. I don't, you know, I don't feel anything negative about exercising authority, because I am not going to, I don't have the authority to do anything that hasn't already been established in heaven. But if I don't know what's been established in heaven, don't believe what's been established in heaven, then Mm -hmm. everything is an effort to try to make, I try to produce power then instead of authority. if If you go in, if you got a kid that's sick yeah, you know, I got a call yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I got a I, I got a couple of great grandbabies on the way. Mm-hmm. So I got a call yesterday, and it was like one of my daughters was had kind of put a message on Facebook. Said you know you know pray for my daughter, uh, and they they thought they couldn't find the heartbeat
0: mm-hmm. on
2: her baby. Mm-hmm. She's she's only about she's not very far along, mm-hmm. but uh, so I got the message. I just. You know, I didn't do anything almost out of the ordinary. I just walked into another room, and I started speaking to life in that situation. And I kind of just said that, you know, this, you know, this this is what this is what I'm calling forth to have happen. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I had peace. I, I I didn't have any sense that there was any resistance anywhere. And and so you know, I walked back into the room. and I'm like, it's all right. And so. Sure enough, within an hour, we're getting the call. The doctor said, oh, no, we, we found the heartbeat now.
1: Wow.
2: Well, that's the way it's supposed to work. But see, if I hadn't had confidence that I had authority, then I would have started trying to produce power. Mm-hmm. I would start right. going, in the night, Jesus. You know what I mean? Shouting yeah. and hollering and going through all these gyrations. That we think the louder we scream, and you know, the more we jump up and down, and the more we sound really, we're gonna, we're gonna create the power to make something happen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have to have the power. I don't have the power. Don't need no. the power. Don't no. even want the power. Right. God has the power. Yeah. And and when we do
0: that, it's almost as though we don't recognize that God is sovereign, because we feel as though that I can. You know, create enough power or force to overcome his sovereignty and get him yep. to do something yep. on my behalf, because but I don't, that, uh, I don't understand his sovereignty.
2: Yeah, it's that corrupt concept of of sovereignty. Yes, and it's also a lack of belief in the fact that uh, I have authority. Now, <clears throat> stop and think about a king who maybe a royal person that when he was young, you know, he he had to be snuck away to protect his life and he was raised somewhere else. He wasn't raised in court. He wasn't raised in the environment. So later in his life, finally he comes back and he sits on the throne. That king don't know how to exercise authority because his identity is not rooted in the fact that he is royalty. And so his approach to using authority becomes more of something I have to prove, something I have to make happen, something you know, that, 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 that I need to preserve and create a sense of identity. So everything gets reversed. So now you go back to the thing about identity, and you realize that in Romans eight twenty eight, it says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the identity of Christ. See, we didn't need our authority restored. We, we all have authority. thats how the world got so corrupt. Is we use, wicked people used their authority to corrupt the world, while Christians huddled in the corner in fear, begging God to change the world. Instead of so them using their authority, using their life to change the world, they didn't. You know, the the church totally failed, just like Israel. Well, I can't say totally, but yeah. but on the bigger picture, failed just like Israel failed. And and you know we didn't come and show God to the world, we because we never believed the truth uh, about what God said about us. So, so this whole thing about about the calling, the calling involves first and foremost realizing everything that God will do in us, through us, for you know, will only happen through Jesus. God predestined that. Jesus Himself would be the focal point of all eternity and the mediator between ever every action and activity between us and God. So the the point, the ultimate thing that's supposed to happen, because remember, God wants us to have a great life, but it becomes selfish, greed-filled. If just having a great life is about me, it's all going to stop there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, I've used this example before. You, know, I've had, I started my first business when I was 14 years old.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, have been, I have been an entrepreneur since I was 14 years old. Well, you know what? I have employed hundreds of people over the years. And, you know, at times employing dozens and, and uh, uh, you know, large numbers of people. Well, but you know, you go back and since all the promises of God are yes, you go back to Deuteronomy twenty-eight and you go read all those promises and promises, and you say, well, well, since I'm in Jesus, all these are mine. But you know, it says you'll be the head, not the tail. You'll, be, you'll always be above, and never beneath. You'll always lend, and not borrow. You know, I look back over my life, and before I got saved, I was always in a financial crunch. But you know what? Since I've been a believer, I have always created jobs. I've always been the one that people came to if they needed money or needed help. I have not been yeah. the one running to everybody else trying to get money. Right. And that's not ego. That's saying I get to be the one who contributes to the world around. I get to be the ones who contributes to the lives of people who are looking for work and who need an income and all, you know, all of those kinds of things. Well, see, all of these things happen not because I individually solve every problem and I individually get the faith to do all those things. All of these things happen really because of, of my. I don't know if this is the right phrase, but I, it's like my consolidated sense of identity. Yes. You know, if I feel yes. like a king, every decision I make is going to be the kind of decision a king would make. If I feel prosperous, every decision I make will be a decision that leads mm-hmm. me to more prosperity. Mm-hmm. If I feel, you know, if I feel happy, most of my conversations are going to be all about all about things that's going to produce joy and peace and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. But it, none of that comes because of individual faith. See, we, we've taken faith and compartmentalized it. And yes, you know, I I, I use this example last week. Yeah, you know, if I realize I got a blockage somewhere for something I hadn't dealt with, I'm going to deal yes. with it. But in general, that's not the way you do heart work. And in general, that's not the best way that, that you make this journey with God. And it's not the way that you come to a sense of identity. Because if you're always having to fix individual things, then that means holistically you don't see yourself as a whole person. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't see yourself as he is, so are we right now in this world. Mm-hmm. So all that comes down to this. It said that we are to be conformed to his likeness. Well, that word conformed, and we mentioned this back a few weeks ago in the Greek, means jointly transformed. So it's talking about a process of transformation that we go through, but we go through it with Jesus. Jesus. Not with Jesus in the sense that he's walking beside me, holding my hand, but in the sense that Jesus did something so profound through his death, burial and resurrection. And I can enter into that so that I die with him. And I experience dying to every sense of myself outside of Jesus. I, you know, I, I went into the, the belly of the earth. I was in the grave with him and in him. And I was raised up with him leaving all of my sin and all of the power, everything behind. And I send it to the right hand of God, putting all principality and power under his feet. And since I'm in him, it's under my feet. And so now I'm living, he's living in resurrection life. Since I'm in him, I'm enjoying that resurrection life. He received an inheritance from the father. And since I'm in him, I have that Inheritors. And since he is the king of all kings and I am in him, I yes. have that sense of royalty yes. and identity. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. yes, yes. And just even being part of the kingdom. I think we talk about this in almost every episode of righteousness, peace and joy being like Jesus. I'm really hearing you that even that born into royalty, I you don't have to try to feel like a king when you are one. You know, yeah. you don't have to try to feel j- joyful when you already just are like yeah. when, when you're talking about identity, that's what I'm hearing. Like my worth is established in who Jesus is and yeah. he is my, who, my example. Yeah. So when I feel like a king of royalty, I'll ju- when I feel that way without trying, I will make those kingly decisions when I yeah. feel prosper- pr- prosperous, prosperous my decisions will move towards wealth yep. every time. When I feel happy, my circumstances will fall. And when I feel whole, I won't move towards problems. Or when I feel right. free, I'm not going to be imprisoned by time or measurement. Yep. So these fee- people, you know, the feeling, and we're talking not about emotions, but we're talking about what you talked about last week about the abiding feeling of mm-hmm. my worth. It's, it's just that inner knowing in my heart. So to move towards yeah. feeling this way and then recognizing if you have a reoccurring incident where you're not feeling uh, happy, you're not feeling whole, you're not, you're feeling that lack of money or like uh, just prosperity yeah. and general wealth, then th- those are the places where you go, Jesus, this is where I want to go. And I want mm. to identify what am I believing that is absolutely not yeah. completely congruency to who you are yeah. as my identity. Yeah.
2: You know the word of righteous, and actually, I'm I'm putting together probably I've taught on righteousness over the years a few times, but you've helped me. I
1: was just to tell you, you've helped me a lot. Oh, well good with righteousness. But people,
2: people usually don't get it because they don't have the foundation. You know, the writer of the Book of Hebrews says, "I can't even teach you about righteousness because you don't even have the foundation." If you don't have the foundation, you will take the teaching of righteousness, you will turn it into something weird and perverted. That's what the fake grace movement did. That's what the Pentecostals did. That's why almost every group came up with their concept of righteousness, but it wasn't built on the foundation. It denied and was in conflict with the foundational doctrines. But, uh, you know, righteousness is such a comprehensive reality that it's it's, it's one of those truths that you can't come up with a, you know, a, a one line or even a one paragraph definition of what that means, because it is so multidimensional and affects us in so many different ways on so many different levels that uh, uh, it's just, it, it just there's just too much of it that, that can be missed, that can be left out. If much of it is left out, then you don't really get it, the full impact of it on your life. You know, one of the most basic concepts of righteousness is as it should be. Now, a legalist will take that, say, you ought to be like you're supposed to be or you're going to hell. You know, well, mm, mm, that's the way, you know, legalists translate everything legalistically. Liberals translate everything liberally. I mean, intellectuals translate everything, you know, intellectually. So, so you know, we, ha- we all have this tendency to, to translate and understand the Bible in a way that supports our personal opinions because we're not doing it we're not engaging god from the heart it's all intellectual and remember the one thing the mind always seeks to do is preserve your ego because that is your false identity so but as it should be this gets into the concept of harmony you know jesus taught the concept of harmony when he said take my yoke upon you because it's easy and light and so The concept of a yoke is, you know, two oxen, putting the yoke over them, and actually learning to keep, being trained to keep in step with each other. That's what the phrase walking in the Spirit means. Get in step with, harmonize how you move, how you walk through life, harmonize. So, when you start saying, okay, if righteousness, if one of the fundamental concepts of righteousness means as it should be, then, then... I have to search and say, well, well, wait a minute. What does that mean? Well, if Jesus is my Lord, then I should embrace the same beliefs he had, the same, the same doctrine right, of God Right, that he right, 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 right. So that means this is how it should be if he's actually my Lord. I will, I will embrace his doctrines. I will embrace you know, his concepts. If, Jesus, you know, if, if I am going to walk in righteousness... Then, then the real truth is, if I, am, if I am sick, I need to be in the pursuit of recovering harmony so that as he was raised up over sin, death, hell, and the grave, I, in this life, can overcome sin, death, hell, and the grave, and I can overcome the sickness. So everything, every time we come in harmony with him in any area, that means in our life, it is as it should be if that is true. If that particular thing is really true, so you know, we will spend all of our lives continually renewing our mind, continually coming into harmonizing more of our of our life with, yeah. with him and our but thoughts here,
1: and our feelings yeah. aligning all of those.
2: but the the great majority of believers will never, ever be introduced to or even hear a message about their identity in Christ, who mm. they are in Jesus, and, mm. and that as he is, so are we in this world. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll never hear that. And because they'll never hear it, they'll hear something else. They'll learn about works righteousness or what, whatever they do. And, and so basically, uh, what they learn will actually put a greater gap between them and who, who what their true identity is in Jesus. But then the ones who do catch this and maybe even use it very effectively. One of the overriding problems that I've seen is, is we try to piecemeal out the finished work of Jesus. So I've got to go get individual faith for prosperity. Mm-hmm. I've got to get individual faith and learn how to believe for healing. Hmm. I've got to get individual faith. i got to learn how to have So you got to learn
1: how to have all the different kinds of faith.
2: So really what happens is we are constantly, I mean, we're trying to use our faith to do it. Basically, we're trying to fix ourselves. Yeah. Now, if you're trying to fix yourself all the time, you never get on to what how your life is supposed to work, and hmm. it never starts everything coming together for you because you're always so consumed with fixing yourself. You don't help people very much. You don't serve people very much. You don't have much joy and freedom in life. You know, it's not easy in life because because You're piecemealing this thing out one at a time. At some point in time, man, you can just get weary with trying to fix all these things that keep coming up. Right. Well, when people have to keep fixing things, my prescription is, you know what? Maybe instead of fixing this, you just need to go back to the cross. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe if you never did this in the very beginning, you need to go to the cross. Yeah. Now, You've guys, you guys, know, we've all said this. In the new covenant, there is there, if Jesus' work is a finished work, if we are born again, then we are never to engage in change. Because change means to become something you are not. Mm-hmm. And so the whole idea of change forces upon us A belief that we are not yet acceptable to God, that we are not yet who God wants us to be, that you know that that we lack all these things. So we're always putting our attention on what's wrong, trying to change it, thinking that if we could change enough things, eventually we would start seeing glimpses of the abundant life. But we are not called to change. If it is a finished work, if Jesus' work is finished, then the real truth is when I when I am born again, the Spirit of God. Comes into me, I am born of the Spirit, which means my spirit becomes immediately righteous. There is no lack in my spirit. There is nothing missing. There are no there are no gaps that need counseling. Right, and And again, I I said counseling. I am not against counseling as long as it leads you to transformation and
1: transform. Yes, Mm -hmm.
2: so so really, see, we don't realize. uh, And by the way, I I got a I got a series I am going to come out with again that. It's pretty much developed, but, but it's, it's going to... I'm not sure what I'm going to call it, but but it's all, it's all about baptisms. Because baptism is a ceremony that, according to the Word of God, if you don't mix it with faith, it doesn't mean anything. But baptism always, no matter if you're dealing with an individual problem, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter whether you're overcoming a sin, no matter it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's healing, baptism always represents the same thing. It is dying to something. hmm and now that you've discovered the truth, is about being raised up into something else.
0: Yes.
2: So baptism never actually just represents a ceremony. Is you know for here's a here's an example. All right, the first baptism was the baptism of John. But if we just stop right there, it's like okay, and we can see some things. But it's actually, it actually says more than that. It's the baptism of John unto the remission of sins. Well, oh, wait a minute. Well, you look at that word remission and it means freedom from bondage, you know, freedom from limits and all that kinds of thing. Well, and then you start thinking, okay, well, well, well repentance is where, I, where I'm willing to change my point of view. And I'm willing to give up this opinion that I have back here. I'm going to turn around here and I'm going to embrace this opinion. So there's several things that come out of those, all those little pieces. Number one is the main f- and, and they remember, that's the first step toward heaven on earth. That's the first step toward righteousness. That's the first step toward everything that God has. So does that mean everybody needs to go out and get baptized in water through the baptism of John? No. Uh, it means that this is saying, say, first of all, if I want to get free from my sins, I mean, not only do I need the blood of Jesus to wash me and you know, all that kind of stuff, but actually, if repentance is changing my mind and giving up my opinion and accepting God's opinion, then this is a baptism of dying to my opinion. So this means that I'm coming to God and, and going down in the water. What, I, what has died is the fact that I have decided that, I, that nothing I believe about anything. I can't trust any of it. I can't believe anything I've ever been taught. I can't trust my tradition. Nothing. All of that is dying to me now because I have re- renewed my mind, and I'm going to continue to re- renew my mind in the fact that God's word is the absolute truth. I don't. There There is no other truth. Nothing else will, will take me down this path of life. So baptism, when we got born again, Baptism should have been for the pastor started teaching us about put off, put on because baptism yes, is yes. an expression that's, that's, of put off, put on. That's
1: where that that, that begins. Yeah. That's where the first beginnings of put off, put yeah. on start.
2: So there's several baptisms. You, you know, there is a baptism of death, and and really all of these baptisms, honest, they're not. You don't have to go out and go through all five or whatever other baptisms that they are. That's not the point. It's not the point. You know, you do the first one with the ceremony where water is involved. So you're having something physical happen, so you engage your heart. And just because there's something physical, it makes it more realistic to you. And, and so you're dying, you know, you're dying to self, you're being raised up in Jesus. You know, so you die with him, you raise up with him. So that, that's the start. That's put off, put on. So really, if you're engaging in your heart, Man, you're pondering it. You're thinking about that. When they stick you down that water, you're saying, thinking, I'm leaving my old man behind, I tell you. You know, I am dead. All that life is dead. I don't want that anymore. I'm being, you know, I'm, and G, Jesus is taking this on the cross, and so it's going to be buried in this water, and I'm going to come out of the, this just like with Jesus, out of this grave, and I'm going to be raised up in this life. So it's a put-all, put-on, and that, that's the starting place. So I don't think every time you have, have a baptism, Unless you're having trouble with, it, unless you can't, unless you need it to influence your heart, I don't think you have to go through that ceremony. The ceremony was the beginning place to get you engaged in, in this thing. So, where did Jesus experience? You know, right before he died, his disciples came to him. You know, they were arguing about who was going to sit where and who was going to sit on what thrones and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus said, "You know what." That's not really important. Here's what I want to know is, do you think you can be baptized with the baptism that I'm that I'm going to be baptized with? And suddenly you're like, what's he talking about? Well, Jesus was talking about this baptism of taking on the sins of the world, dying on the cross, and in his body, taking those sins into the grave and into the part of the grave for the wicked are bound, and being raised up, Now, uh, in newness of life, having overcome all those sins. So the reality of it is Jesus in the grave used his faith. Well, how did he use his faith? Man, circumstances. All of his circumstances, you are dead, you are in hell, you are separated from God, you are abandoned. These circumstances are all there is. You'll never get out of here. That's the circumstances. But see, he had an identity that God had given him that said, you're our king forever after the order of Melchizedek. You know, uh, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. I will never allow your bodies to suffer corruption. I mean, so he had hundreds of scriptures. And we know from the book of Jonah and several places in the book of Psalms that what he did, he started acknowledging these identity scriptures because he had to get his heart yeah aligned with righteousness yes
1: yes yes that is where identity starts yeah
2: that's where identity starts yeah am i who god says i am yes or no yeah and there's no in between there's no sometimes there's no maybe it's either yes or no so jesus went through a transformation of having not just carried our sin but having become our sin and that transformation was, was what made it possible for him to be raised up in righteousness and conquer all of that. And so so he came into his identity exactly how we connect to our identity. The only difference is before Jesus, you just, ha- you know, you looked at, it, it didn't happen inside you. You know, you didn't have the Holy Spirit in you. you know, we're, all these factors that weren't happening. But we're looking at this and wait a minute. I don't know how this happened, but somehow if he became my sin, then everything, everything that was me outside mm. of outside of him died.
1: That's right.
2: And and he obtained righteousness. So if I've been raised up in him, I am raised up in his righteousness.
1: Yes, yes. And when he
2: was seated at the right hand of God, I was seated right there. Established like him.
1: identity established right there.
2: So Every person, and by the way, I'm I'm considering with this next series, I'm that uh, this uh, series I'm re- going to be releasing on, always above, and never beneath. I, and, and of course, we go through this in heart physics. You know, yes. We teach this, in the second heart physics module called I can't remember uh, uh, what is it called. I, I can't remember, but the okay. second one, you, you know, you go through after you go through essential? essentials. Okay. It's after essentials. The second one, new oh, beginnings. New
1: beginnings. That's and, it.
2: And it's all about h- creating ways to see yourself there at the mm-hmm. cross with Jesus mm-hmm. and see yourself and experience yourself actually going into him and that part and all of that dying and, and you coming up literally a brand new person. So if you're going to have, if you're going to be jointly transformed with him, you've got to go visit the place where he was transformed. You got to enter into that death, into that burial and into that resurrection because that's the transformation. See. Transformation is not becoming what you're not. Transformation is simply believing and putting on and harmonizing with who you really are. I want to tell you this is yeah. the hinge pin of of transformation and identity. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, when I do this and this is my reality, I'm not going to be coming back over every little detail because when those details arise, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately uh-huh. going to have the sense that that's not me. Uh-huh. You have no right. Go away. Uh-huh. And, and that's it. That's, that's it. You know, some of the battles that I used to, I can remember things I would be tempted with when I was a new believer would take me days or weeks to deal with and overcome. And, you know, now it's like, no. No. You don't have any place in me. No. And that's it. That's the yeah. whole thing. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, I do. But, I feel the same we, way.
2: Because we've already established who yes. we are. How could, how could you have that a place is in me? such
1: freedom. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that is absolutely not even a consideration. It's not even close. No. Because my righteousness, is that's just not who I am.
2: You know, one, one of the best tools, I think, that's the easiest to use, that people don't run away from, if you want to establish your identity, is the prayer organizer. Mm-hmm. And they can get the prayer organizer through the Live Transform site. Because in in the prayer organizer, every day you're you're reminding yourself, this is who God is. This is how Jesus manifests that aspect of the character, nature, and identity of God. And this is who I am because I am in Jesus. And so you, you start linking God the Father, you know, God the Son, and then the Holy Spirit makes it come alive in your heart. And so you get to a place you know, I can't, I could, I, it wouldn't matter if I was living somewhere, sleeping under a bridge. I don't even know if I could ever feel poor again.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: No, honestly.
1: No, I believe you. And I feel the same way. There's, it's not a possibility.
2: No. And like actually, because it's not even based on what's happening.
1: And, and you basic, know what, I was even thinking, right it's here. almost like when you've established this righteousness, established your identity in Jesus, it's almost like I, I laugh when I think about like an expert level of when kids play video games, it gets you kind of like yeah. this expert level. Like I can feel ultimate freedom, even if you put me in a free prison or, you know, yeah. I could feel loved even amongst overt rejection be, yeah. and I can feel rich or wealthy, even if I'm living under a bridge. Like yeah. the this is where your inward life and your... The it, the reality of Jesus in you is so it's so established. Nobody can take that away from you.
2: See, religion. It's, one of the great deceptions of religion is redefining words.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Once you redefine a word, then people and the Bible tells them to seek this, whatever this is. Then people are seeking it, but the problem is they got a wrong definition, so they're not even really seeking what the Bible mm-hmm. says. So, religious became, uh, righteousness became. A pious,
1: um, uh,
2: perfectionist,
1: yes, some perfectional, yeah,
2: judgmental. Mm -hmm. I am flawless and above you. Wow, you're doing really good. (laughs) That's kind of what people think of when they hear the word righteousness, and yet has has nothing to do with that.
1: We have had people in in our office, Jim, when we talk about righteousness, peace, and joy, and you can hear that that righteousness is just like making someone just cringe. And when we have begun to their heart gets open and then we're able to speak the truth of what de- righteousness means. Mm-hmm. It's like, remember that guy a couple of weeks ago, his whole world, his whole Christian walk after years yep. opened up to him and said, now I can come in agreement with that. Yep. If, if righteousness means alignment, agreement with Jesus, everything like he just, as it should be all of the things yep. that we talk about, he says, well, now I want it. I never wanted it before, but now I want it. Now I'm, now I can come there. I can do that.
2: And it's not as it should be in an obligatory sense. No. It's it's sort of like I handed you a suitcase with a million dollars in it. Yeah. Now, if you're not living a great life and got a nice, comfortable house and taking care of your family, then you got the million dollars. It's yours. Yeah. But you're still not living as, as it should be.
1: Right. Because you've got the million dollars, but you haven't opened it up and you haven't no. started spending it.
2: But yeah. if you go buy your comfortable house and... You know, a decent car, and start taking care of your family, and think now it's as it should be since you are a right,
1: millionaire. Right, right, right.
2: And so it's not—it's not about obligation, trying to become. It's the—it it is the reality of how it has to be if this is who you are.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think, what, I, the,
2: think well, I think I have just drug us overtime today. Right. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. No, that's been really good. But I love that last illustration. I love the whole thing. But that that million dollars in a case is such a great. Illustration, because we have yep. been given absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even though we don't, maybe haven't physically, tangibly been given a million dollars, we get all the feelings that come with all of that, and not but if not, anybody, not if anybody wants
2: to give us a million dollars, yeah, they're welcome. We'll, we'll to see. We'll, yeah. we'll take it and kind of see how. And it you makes know, us after a while,
1: it. money becomes so not important that yep. it prosperity is important. And, and, and of course I'm in agreement with how I feel prosperous, but money is just such a, a little tool of the earth. It's like, it's just, just a thing, just something, you,
2: something you use.
1: It's yeah. It's not a goal. It, it's yep. not a, a measurement. It's just something that we happen to use in yep. this world. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Jim, you have you.
1: really, you've taken us over time in a really good way. Mm-hmm. This has been great. That's Establishing good. Good. our identity and yeah. our authority.
0: Yeah, another, and, another. Oh,
2: and come, and by, by the way, out please. of that, that means I'm just going to naturally exercise authority because that's how yeah. it should be right. if I'm righteous. I'm sorry right. about I just had no. to put that yeah, last sense in there. Yeah, no, 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 it's true. We yeah. needed that oh. last
1: sentence in there. Yeah,
0: and it's it's so important. But again, use this podcast and take time to go and re listen, mm-hmm. you know, make the notes. Yep. And, and Jim, as you said earlier, I just, in that, and the true sense of humility, you know, I'm going to walk in repentance because there are things that my father has said about me to be true that I've dismissed, yep. you know, and, and it is not deserving. Jesus says, I've come to reveal God as a father and with a father's heart. There's nothing more in him that he wants for us to see the truth of our identity. In Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the, the thing that would break my heart is that if I would have a daughter or son of mine that would believe that they don't belong. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And and the father says, I've done everything. And,
1: and if they didn't, then they can mm-hmm. have access. Yeah. yeah. You've mm-hmm.
0: got access and you do belong.
1: All that we have is yours. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jim, so, thank you. Hear, hear the heart oh, of the Father yeah. inviting That's you. That's
1: it, Bob. Mm. Hear that heart of the Father. That's good. All right, Jim. Thank you so much. Here we go again. <laughs> thank you. And, we, and there you go. You nailed it again. And there we go. And there we go. And we love you guys. And thanks for listening. Thanks for being part. Thanks for being friends with us. Taking
0: the journey Taking with Taking the us. journey together. Yeah.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: alright Bye-bye. Bye-bye.